Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. On today's show, I'm joined once again by Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good evening, all. We also welcome our friend, freelance writer Fraser Brown. Hello. So, we've talked about a fair number of RTS games of late, and uh, quite a few over the course of this year. Uh, But, you know, Fraser, Troy, lately I've been feeling a little concerned for the health of the genre. And uh, I I should be clear, I'm talking mostly about what I consider the sort of the the traditional RTS, right? Where you, you build you know, big armies, lots of guys, and, and go tear up a base. And and so while there's exciting sort of new things happening in the space, especially with a game like uh, Soren Johnson's uh, Off-World Trading Company, uh, you know, in the, in the wake of active aggression uh, and sort of observing a StarCraft scene whose future seems a little bit in doubt, uh, I, I just, I, I'm starting to get a little concerned that, you know, in a few years' time, this this genre that's kind of been a staple of the show, a staple of the strategy space, uh, might not be around as as, we, as we've known it for the past like fifteen twenty years. And I'm I'm curious if you guys have any uh, sort of misgivings yourselves. I'm just surprised that you're concerned now because <laughs> we probably have more RTSs that came out this year than we have in the last you know five years. We had you know uh, Planetary Annihilation, the expansion. We had Grey Goo which was uh, quite an interesting and outstanding, I thought, RTS. We had Active Aggression. Uh, We have uh, a couple of new things coming from Stardock in the next uh, few months that they're publishing, one they're developing um, and one that they're publishing. I think that 2015 has actually seen more of the traditional uh, base-building RTS than we've seen, I think, since, God, probably 2007, 2008, maybe even longer than that. Uh, A lot of that is because because of you know changes in the tools that people have to work with, the ability, the I think the rise of you know mid mid budget games, the fact that people aren't chasing the graphics they used to uh, in the golden age, which led to the first crash of the RTS. So I think that there's probably I think that now is the wrong time to. You, I think it's a good time to be concerned about whether there's any future in the genre, whether we're seeing anything new, there's any innovation, but. And I think you're coming to this lesson a little bit late in the story. Fraser? Yeah, I, I kind of agree because there have been a hell of a lot of RTSs coming out of late. However, the question is, how many of them have been good or successful? And I think the answer is not very many. Um, and that, I think, is a more more of a worry than there haven't been enough of them. I think there have been enough, but there haven't been enough that have really kind of captured people. Uh, I mean, Grey Goo is one of my kind of favorite more recent ones and did it do very well uh, i don't really hear don't, people talking about it i don't think it. it did the player count dropped uh like a like a stone uh, really yeah. at, the, at the start. I don't know if it's bounced back. And this is a good time to mention uh, for, for those of you listening that I believe Grey Goo is on sale uh, right now for like 20 bucks. Uh, so I mean if, if you're if you're looking for to like sort of get on that bandwagon because this was a game we uh, sort of lavished with very high praise uh, this would be a great time after you listen to this podcast to, to go check out Grey Goo uh, which has been expanded a bit uh, since, since it came out. But I believe you know it, this was an attempt by um Graybox, a, a new publisher, to sort of launch uh, a, a new uh, sort of universe of intellectual property, but but also chiefly to sort of roll out a triple A AAA level uh, RTS, right? Lavish cutscenes, great graphics, uh, Weta Workshops was was involved in this game, and I don't think it got a lot of traction despite its quality. Uh, so I do feel like you know it, to some extent 
Fraser, like, I feel like some of the, the, the good ones aren't picking up uh, steam, really. Yeah. And uh, some of the others that we've mentioned as recent RTSs leave me concerned in other ways. I mean, that's not to say, though, that the, the future is necessarily grim, because uh, as Troy pointed out, there are a lot of interesting things, uh, you know, coming up in future. Um, it remains to be seen if they're actually any good, but like Ashes of the Singularity seems kind of interesting, if only because of the gargantuan scale of the thing. Um, it'll just be fun to see how that actually works when you've got basically like a continent to fight on yeah but haven't we also seen the giant scale rts trotted out a few times as people try to like discover more magic left in the old subcom formula yeah uh, like, i mean it happened with planetary singularity i i get a real strong planetary annihilation and and subcom supreme commander uh vibe and i played a little bit of ashes today and nothing i saw really changed that that feeling and I'm, so i i i'm curious have you have you seen something out of ashes in particular that makes you excited uh for it beyond the scale um it really is not even i mean it, it is the scale yeah and it's it's not just the size of the maps and but then and the number of units but the way the units work together um a lot of because i've not actually had a chance to play it um, so basically everything is from what I've heard has interested me, but, um, if, you know, if I get a chance to play it, I'll, I'll see if that actually kind of comes through, um, in the build, but there's also Servo, uh, which is also being published by Stardock as well, I think. Yeah. And um, that's got Bob Shelley and Dave Pottinger who worked on yeah, Age of Empires, uh, for ensemble years ago. Um, yeah. But it's going in a completely different direction, like the like polar opposite of Ashes of the Singularity, because um, it's almost taking a more like MOBA approach, and there are these like it's like arena battle type things, um, which is very peculiar. I think when when I sort of look at where the, where the genre is at right now, um, I just I, I I kind of worry that possibly RTSs in general, the type of RTSs we're talking about, uh, suffer from. Uh, let's call them like, I guess a survivorship bias, maybe, or, or or a copycatting issue, in that like everyone, like what tends to get passed down are the RTSs that were pretty successful for for one reason or another, right? So you you see a lot of copying of the total annihilation uh, formula. You see a lot of copying of you know command and conquer of of the StarCraft approach, um, and. The problem is, and, and, and you know, when I talked to uh, Chris Taylor ages ago, uh, when he was trying to launch a Wild Man, remember, on a oh, Kickstarter. God, yes. Yeah, that, 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 dep that depressing campaign. Uh, but one of the things he, he brought up was that he always suspected that, and once we, had, once we had player data, we knew for a fact, that most people didn't like competitive multiplayer. That's not what RTS players actually enjoy. That's not what most of them played. And... You know, Taylor's position was that every RTS developer sort of approached that and said, yeah, you know, we hear you. We, we get what you want. Have a competitive, fast-paced RTS. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 kind, I kind of feel like, um, you know, one, one issue I, I see in the, in the genre a little bit is that the, the most, of, most, of, most games in, that move in this direction, the traditional RTS direction, I think, are sort of trying to channel 
uh, you know, those games I just mentioned, the Starcraft, the Total Annihilations, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not sure that's necessarily in line with what a lot of players uh, today actually prefer in terms of, of pacing and, uh, you know, just uh, the, 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 the dem- how much they demand of you. Uh, and, and interestingly, I guess, I, I kind of feel like a lot of RT, a lot of RTS game, R, the RTS genre's sort of most promising ideas ended up being these weird, like evolutionary dead ends, right? Like one of my favorite topics that we discussed in the last year or so was when we b- went back and looked at uh, Rise of Nations, mm-hmm. and that's a fantastic RTS, and uh, it is pretty fast paced, but but there's a lot of other stuff going on in there. Uh, Similar, similar uh, is is uh, Kohan, where you have these attempts to make an RTS that unfolds at a slightly different pace and sort of brings in more of like four, you know, four X uh, dynamics, and those games just end up kind of being uh, dead ends and forgotten. And what you see is just more iterations on, well, let's do another Supreme Commander and see how many units we can throw up there on the screen at once, and that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, survivorship bias is, like you said, is one of the things. The games that StarCraft is the—it's the last giant standing is, you know, the StarCraft series. We have StarCraft Two, which also has, you know, the big, huge eSport competitive multiplayer thing. That's what people want. That's what people expect. People think RTS now, especially the current generation that didn't grow up with Rise of Nations, that does not know what Kohan is. Um, yeah, it's been great to revisit those ideas, uh, but, you know, you're— RTSs are not cheap to make uh, for a variety of reasons, from the number, amount of testing that goes into them. Um, so people are going to be more likely to follow the things that they think work. Now, the problem with that, and I think that's what we saw with Grey Goo, um, Grey Goo is, as a lot of the reviews noted, it has a lot of similarities to StarCraft. Uh, and the three very different factions um, that are distinct, and one of them is kind of Zergish or like mindless sort of thing. Uh, so it has a, a kind of, even though I think there are a lot of major differences between them and the gameplay is quite distinct from StarCraft, if I was a casual player and read it, reviews that mentioned StarCraft, I think, well, I'll play this for a bit, but StarCraft's already out there and I know what that is. Um, everybody knows what StarCraft is. Uh, so why, you know, pick the loser? Sort of thing. Now, I think the and the idea that we should have, you know, players don't get in. Most people don't get into that competitive multiplayer stuff. I kind of wonder whether those numbers would be valid now, when there have been so few RTSs, you know, first challenging in that space, and you know, the rise of MOBAs, which you know I think has taken a lot of the RTS energy and the people who would normally be playing RTSs either online or with their friends competitively, or even single-player campaigns, the desire to move a thing around a map and kill things is in many ways being met by MOBAs, just the way that for a long time adventure games were in a a down, a dying or absent genre because you could get your adventures in RPGs, you could get your adventures in strategy games, your adventure stuff, your puzzles, your dialogue, that was in other places. Even a shooter. Even a shooter, adventures for, for a long time, that adventure energy was channeled into other genres. And I think, in large part, the stuff that people traditionally found in RTSs, they're finding in other genres. Um, and I think that's one reason it's hard for this base building stuff to catch back on, is it requires 
you know, people who are not, people who don't play Star, people who either play StarCraft and want to try something new, and that's going to be very hard to find. Uh, people our age who are like, there's a new Age of Mythology expansion coming out. And I'm excited about an Age of Mythology <laughs> expansion. It's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, how old is Age of Mythology? Well, I'm still trying to process that there's a new Age of Mythology expansion coming out. Yeah, like you, you said that my my eyes just like roll back in my head. Uh, so so is it wait, not like what's, 15, what's happening? Fifteen years old? No, it can't be yeah. fifteen. Yeah, and there's a new Age of Mythology expansion coming out probably you know late this year, early next year. You know, they add in some some Asian uh, gods and stuff, and that's awesome and that's great. And but is it going to make Age of Mythology or Age of Empires a really strong genre, a really strong franchise again? Probably not. Uh, though I think Age of Mythology is one of the most best, is one of the best and most intricately designed RTSs ever made. Um, I'm just wondering because games are designed to f- fit certain tastes, and I wonder if the human appeal for the RTS has been kind of a lot of it, not all of it. Clearly, we have a lot of f- fans and who listen to the show who play RTSs. I love a good old RTS. I'm just wondering if designers are just pushing into the MOBA. We've seen explosions in the MOBA space. Still, only two, you know, two or three. I think so you say, sizable, but, you know? You say ahead. they're kind of tailored for specific tastes, but I actually, when I look at StarCraft 2, I think one of the reasons it's been so successful is it actually is tailored for a lot of different tastes. Like, you can have zero interest in esports yeah, but, and but, but, still, but, but, like, have this amazing campaign. Yeah, but, but, um, but, 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 but by taste, I mean, like, certain play styles, the desire to do certain things in a game. That right. Not, you know... And the desire, the StarCraft thing you do is you move things around and kill other things in real time. Mm-hmm. And there's that, there's that adrenaline rush. And whether you do it in single player or you do it in competitive multiplayer, it's still that, you know, directing things on a map and watching counters of resources go up. Um, yeah. And I think that's the impulse that I'm talking about. Okay. I mean, you even kind of get that with like, economic games as well i mean when i think about anno which now has like combat in it that is like sci-fi combat that is set set in like specific maps away from the the rest of the game this is the the, no it's the moon one but actually it has a great deal of stuff that is on earth because the idea Mm -hmm. is you're developing your spaceport to eventually get to the moon but when you do colonize the moon you'll have multiple colonies on earth as well to manage so you're actually managing two worlds. Um, but then they toss in these, like, really weird ship battles um, Wait, that are just... ship battles or... Ship, ship battles. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure either. Boat or value judgment? <laughs> I should also say I thought they were maybe a little bit shit as well. <laughs> um, because they, they are just, like, you just gather your, like, three or four boats, and I imagine that that increases, and then just send and just click on an enemy and that's it and you get little power-ups and stuff um and it's it's very much detached but it's strange to kind of see this very distinct separate mode in a game that's mostly about economics and Anno's always dabbled in combat a little bit but having it it's it's separate from the rest of the game it's like this little mini game in case you can't get through an rts without killing someone um, and it's a bit weird. I'm not sure it fits either. 
at least that's sort of pushing out a new direction, right? That's like trying something, even if it is old, right? Like, the, like Siege of Three had uh, not so great this uh, is true. combat as well, and so this isn't this isn't a, a totally totally radical idea, but I, I do get that at a certain point, uh, Anno does probably need to introduce some new wrinkles because uh, I think one issue that uh, some people had with uh, the I can't. They're all numbers. I don't remember. Twenty. Like, you mean the the one the before twenty seventy? Twenty seventy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, twenty seventy uh, was that it was a lot like every other Anno game, just sort of with a new like post apocalyptic sci fi spin uh, mm. and and skin uh, put over it. But it was the same like. All right, now you need to scaffold up and you know attract your uh, you know attract more Eloy uh, to your to your city, uh, you know, and get get those Morlocks uh, out into the out into the sprawl. <laughs> Uh, and, and and so uh, I did I did get the sense that like that was perhaps a formula that was getting a little long in the tooth uh, at least according to some of its fans. But I don't think you can just chuck up a combat focus into an economic game and just be like, well, that's innovative. I mean, because they've always had a little bit of combat, but this is like there's specific scenarios where you're just going around this like open map navigating mm-hmm. different channels and blowing stuff up and it is all very kind of arcadey and and just very much detached from the rest of the game so i think if you're wanting to add a new component to your economic sim then you should maybe just expand on the economic stuff and and to to a certain degree they have because they've added all of these different colonies that you can manage so it there's this much you know grander scope um, where you're using these separate regions to provide resources for the other ones, and then you build them up together. Um, there's a bit too much jumping around uh, for my liking, but um, that strikes me as a little bit more, not necessarily innovative, um, but like interesting compared to just blowing enemy ships up. Combat and city builders have never mixed, and they should be kept separate forever. Troy radical segregationist. Yeah, it's 2015. Troy, let the let the combat and the city builder uh, come together. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm redlining these genres. It's never worked. We're going to stop it. So, something I wanted to a- ask you though is like when we look at the the recent crop of of RTSs, um, like. For for me at least, I I think it was disappointing to see a studio like Eugen uh, come out with something like Active Aggression, which seemed uh, really retrograde uh, compared to even Ruse, which they made like five years ago, uh, and was really not even I think even like in the ballpark of uh, like the war game series in terms of in terms of like new ideas uh, and so it was just a little frustrating to see like Eugen, which is a studio I, I, I really admire come and make uh, you know kind of an old school RTS that just seemed old uh, it, it, it seemed kind of tired and I think all of us had that reaction of there's, there's obvious quality here uh, but it's just it's it's really deeply uninspiring, uh, and when you when I look at you know games like Planetary Annihilation, uh, you know what little I've seen of Ashes of, of the Singularity, 
you know, I get concerned that we're we're all we're seeing just a lot of a, a lot of developers saying, well, Supreme Commander is really great, and we haven't had one of those in a while, so we will try and and recreate that. And I like I just I worry that we have we have a situation where like the RTS pie I think kind of keeps shrinking and everybody's returning back to sort of the last known position of uh you know a game that was in a good place with it i think there's a lot of panic um a lot of developers kind of worried about who their audience is now and who plays rts's and and how do they design one for them um because when when you hear about a lot of rts developers going down the more mobile route like just as as with servo where it's not really a moba but it's it's still very much smaller scale um kind of arena style battles and things like that um those developers are all talking about how their kids are playing mobas only and that's all they really care about and then they're watching mobas all the time and they're watching the esports and I, i imagine it must be a bit daunting realizing okay there's this entire new genre that's kind of gobbled up all of the interest that was once had for rts's how am i going to get these people interested in rts again and the answer seems to be making them a little bit more like mobas which i'm not a huge fan of but um yeah it does seem to be almost like a panicked reaction all right so and i think that's a, i think that's a good diagnosis i i think the the issue is that like more and more people and especially especially younger players will gravitate toward other games uh besides the RTS and and the question is like what what's driving that and how you could start to I- expand the appeal of the RTS again and i and i think for me one issue i find with a lot of our a lot of RTS games is that um you know if you're not if you're not good at an RTS and most people aren't especially when you're when you're just learning it it's very hard to have fun with an RTS and and I think that's kind of a a problem across most games in the space where as you're learning it the game is sort of actively discouraging you and even you know even really soft-headed uh skirmish AI won't really address the problem either it's still either it's still too capable for you uh as was some of the issue we saw with active aggression or it's so (laughs) obviously limited uh where you know it has an opening and once it's past that opening script it's just brain dead uh you know that that can be that can be really discouraging as you're as you're trying to play and as you're trying to improve and it makes you not want to continue because you know maybe there's a fun time to be had once I've studied up and hit the books, but that's not really what most of us want from games. And I don't think that's and I don't think that's blameworthy. I don't think it's blameworthy for people to be like you know like my like I want the game to start paying off from the minute from the minute I fire it up. Uh, I I want to be rewarded for for my investment, and I think a lot of RTS games sort of come from the point from the standpoint of no, like the the fun starts once you've learned how to have fun, uh, and, and I think that that worries me a bit. So I think the answer to that problem it, it strikes me as quite clear, and that's have a very engaging campaign that also without kind of 
being a bit too on the nose teaches you how to play the game and it's just fun to play even if you do know how to play it um and then a progression system uh so that you feel like even if you're losing something good is happening um which i think some people kind of get almost offended by they want to be punished for losing um but i like the idea of you still getting something from the experience um and as you do in most mobas uh, and and the but the thing about the campaign element is that that kind of does seem to have been overlooked by a lot of rts's uh even ones that i thoroughly like um like the war game series which their campaigns are okay but they're not engaging well um, there we're talking it's really about just budget right yeah which cuz the i mean if you look at like starcraft 2 style campaigns that's a hell of a lot of work and money um with each, each mission kind of doing something very different uh so you've got like a whole script that you have to write as well and then maybe voice acting maybe some cutscenes and that's a huge cost yeah, but this is sort of answered this i mean this, this has been done and i wonder how successful it is that was age of empires 3 where you would gain experience and then unlock a whole new deck of cards you could bring out and you could you could do it in multiplayer as well and oh i could i've leveled my this multiplayer level up this city in single player so i can use these things in single player skirmish and then multiplayer you have a whole new bunch of other things you can unlock so you do have that you did have that progression you did have this ah oh, i'm making progress i'm learning it i'm i'm mastering the english i'm mastering the ottomans and you could see it by the number of cards you had available and what you could bring to bear and that's all great and good and no one else has done it since, and I wonder, I mean, there were a lot of things that went into the ensemble shutdown. Um, it was a very, um, I wrote a long story on that for Crispy Gamer, and now that is gone, <laughs> because the websites vanish. Um, the history well, of someone ensemble. someone and, will dig it up in the Wayback Machine. Yeah, and I have it on, I, and I, I have it on Gmail, eventually I'll have to find some place to republish it. Um, where, you know, and Only you had a blog of some sort. Yeah, I don't know where I forgot my, my password. That no, I'm kidding. Uh, so and so this we have had that in games where there was you know single player progress except apart from the campaign where you could do it through skirmish, and in multiplayer where you know you had beyond your score and your level you had a visual in game. Th- currency you could spend and use to mix and match your decks depending on the map and all of wonderful wonderful stuff and no one else has done that and i wonder why and it's was it's a really a great way to have that sense of progression um and it, it i guess it's kind of like kohan it's one of these the kohan uh, 4x rts model it's the th- this dead end innovation that was just i thought brilliant and uh, would kind of solves a lot of these. I don't feel like I'm learning anything or getting better. You you can lose a ton of skirmish message, m- missions in Age of Empires three, but you still got that experience, and that experience will eventually give you maybe the one thing you need to win a skirmish mission. You know, by getting that the free musketman sent from the homeland. Yeah, you know, I think um, with with the Kohan games, it's just one of those depressing realities, right? Where sort of a developer who's not at the tier of who the big players were in that space is just unable to compete. Uh, and, and TimeGate were, were always sort of a studio that seemed like they were they were, they were sort of like just one or two steps ahead of uh, closing. Uh, but 
Kohan and Kohan too had had some brilliant ideas, and I think addressed a lot of things that can make RTS games a little annoying and a little frustrating to play. Right, because like they 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 didn't make it they didn't make it so damn easy for you to throw your game away. Right, like this. This was my, this is my impression of Kohan. Is that it felt like you were the general of the army, but you weren't punished for like not being able to move every every last infantryman around to the exact right place. It was, you know, it was the, it was the big picture RTS. You were pushing armies around the map and making big like strategic decisions, but you weren't sweating the small stuff, and it made it easy to keep up with what was happening. But unfortunately, you know, Kohan even even as it's coming out. Uh, is is coming out into this marketplace where you know the the Command and Conquer series is is still going strong, uh, Blizzard is still in the RTS space, and so Kohan with its you know w- with its little like uh, you know almost like Warcraft two uh, you know level graphics uh, you know it's, it's cute sprites and and, and stuff like that, uh, but unfortunately it, it it's coming out in an era where people are starting to expect uh, much much more, and so it ends up looking like really old fashioned and crummy despite the fact that i think it was light years ahead of a lot of its uh, contemporaries well you could say that a bit about modern rts's too couldn't you i mean a lot of them have come out with you know mid-range budgets Uh, i mean gray goo looks great but it's still you know below starcraft 2 as far as you know cinematics and all that sort of stuff planetary Mm. annihilation uh, doesn't have the most amazing look to it um active aggression I mean, the models look pretty good, but you only get this, those two zoom levels, right? I mean, that's got to be a cost yeah. thing. I mean, because you can't zoom, you, you got either far up or up the soldier's nose. I mean, the only way you can see those units. Uh, so that's, you know, a budget and technological limitation. So we have, because, and I think it's largely because, you know, I mean, you guess, you know, why are people drawn, why are the young people, the kids today, you know, drawn to MOBAs? <laughs> it's because we did have, you know, for five, seven, ten years, almost no major RTSs coming out. See, a lot of the, the reasons I've heard for the, the popularity of MOBAs over, say, RTSs is that you can just, you know, you can play one MOBA match for, you know, you can just play for 15 minutes maybe and get one match and it depends on the MOBA. Um, and then you're done. You've got some experience, you've made some progress, you've got a bit of gold, you, you've got a kind of full experience. And then they compare it to RTSs where you have to spend a lot more time. But then I think about, there's plenty of campaign missions that are short, skirmish battles, you can put them on a timer, and people are still happy to sit and play an epic RPG for like 60 hours in a week. So I imagine they still have enough time to play a few missions in an RTS. Um, so I'm not really sure that kind of stands up to scrutiny, to be honest. No, and and the other thing I would I would mention is that a lot of uh, a lot of MOBAs aren't cutting edge in, in terms of graphics, right? Like it's it's a pretty Spartan genre, and you know it's it's funny. Like Riot invest a ton in like presentation around their game like every champion has like a soundtrack and like you know bespoke art and they do these ridiculous like 
uh, lore rollouts, uh, like this absurd thing that happened around this hero gangplank earlier this year, where like he was murdered by another <laughs> League of Legends character. Oh no, is gangplank gone forever? Spoiler. It's like wrestling. No, oh, it's totally like wrestling. It's like it's like wrestling with static portraits of cartoon characters. Uh, it's, it's like you know, I you know got... nothing about League of Legends or Dota Beyond. You know what I hear and see either my Twitter feeds or every now and then let's do one of your esports shows, and it's like this is this is a world that's so alien to me. Well, but but I, but I think but I think the point is like I I don't think it like RTS games are losing ground because they're not bringing the chrome that uh, uh like that StarCraft Two is for instance. I don't know. I mean, people people look at people play an RTS. You know, if you're going to be staring at it for like thirty minutes at a time or for a skirmish mission, you'll want to be playing. And there's StarCraft, which looks great out there. It's amazing. It's popular. It's it's and if the game isn't introducing something really new and amazing, either you know, great. Um, but what is what does an RTS have to bring to the field to defeat StarCraft? I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you can't, I think if, I think that's already. I think you're already wrong there. Like okay. if you're framing it that way, because that 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 presupposes the StarCraft Two is like the gold standard for success and. Like I'm telling right. you, with someone like who's sort of, uh, you know, pr- like pretty, you know, pretty deep into that game and, and that community, like that's not the case. Like it's better, it's doing better than a lot of our other RTSs. But like StarCraft Two is a shadow of what Brood War was, uh, and, and so it's it, you know, from the standpoint of the rest of the genre, it's like, man, that that game seems to have a lot of players and it seems to be doing really well. And compared to a lot of the figures you'll see for other RTS games, it absolutely is. But I don't think. Like I, I don't think it's a game necessarily that's going to be anywhere near uh, to you know to the player base or or to the standards of like AAA success uh, these days. I you know I you can sort of see Blizzard is is wrapping up their trilogy uh, as as they're sort of obligated to do, but you know j- you can sort of tell from like the way they market things and what they sort of put first now in, in their presentations. Uh, you know, for them the future belongs to. You know, heroes uh, to Overwatch. Yeah, and StarCraft is kind of uh, you know a legacy. We're never going to see Warcraft Four, are we? They're doing uh, that. Uh, they're doing the Warcraft Three HD thing, aren't they? That's the uh, thing that's happening. Is that is that been officially announced? No, I don't think it's been officially announced. It's just um, that rumor that's floating around forever. But it's it's yeah, and there's been some kind of suggestions and hints and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean I, would... I don't, I, I don't really care. I don't need an HD remake of of three. Oh, I do. I'd quite like four. I need, I need a three. <laughs> I need a three that I can launch right now. Like that's. But you that's... know, there, someone's making it in um, StarCraft Two, uh, I believe, and it looks quite good. Uh, to be gonna honest, be, it's going to have all the cutscenes and all the voice acting. And all yeah, that well, stuff, that's, like... yeah, it, it, that's the thing that it probably won't have. Although yeah. it, it uses like a lot of assets, Blizzard yeah, no, assets. But if, and... but if I can't like see Arthas lose his soul mission by mission, <laughs> like you know, sorry, you're, that's that's that just will not do. <laughs> yeah, gotta, I don't think scour, it'll have uh, What is it? The scou- scouring of Stratholm. Uh, but anyway, that great mission where Arthas like wipes out a village. It's sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, you never know though. Maybe Blizzard will let them use. I mean, because it's it, it's in a Blizzard game, so surely there are no legal reasons with them 
rips, you know, getting access to cutscenes and then just chucking them in their HD remake. Oh yeah, you're, but you're, I, I think at that so point naive, it's, Fraser. It's, you're it's, so naive. It's, it's pretty <laughs> damn in- involved. Uh, I, so I, I just I suspect we are not going to see Warcraft Four. Uh, I would be very surprised if we see a StarCraft Three, or at least we won't see these things until there's some big new idea and possibly a different business model for them, right? Like, I remember years ago talking to uh, Mike Morhaim and asking him, this was in the era where, like, StarCraft II's big esports competitor was League of Legends. And, uh, you know, I asked him the question that everyone was asking him that year, uh, which is, you know, how are you going to compete with League of Legends? Uh, You know, you ever consider free-to-play? And, uh, you know, you'd see, like, his eyes just visibly, like, tighten, uh, he, he's just like, you know, they're completely different business models. Like we, like we have a great value proposition. You can't compare the two. We couldn't do the business model that, that League of Legends has. But I think if you look at how things have played out, uh, there's this, you know, increasing aversion to spending money on, on games at all, uh, spending significant money on games, uh, certainly. And this seems to be a little worse in the PC space. Uh, so you, you see a lot of developers now trying to find different ways to sort of upsell you down the road. So you get the you get the season passes, or you get the, the Company of Heroes 2 uh, model where, you know, the, the you know it's, it's sort of the razor blade model, uh, right? <laughs> where, like, the game is sold in these little chunks. Uh, some of them quite substantial, like Ardan's Assault, but nevertheless, like, you know, trying... We, we, talk, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. Trying to get the complete Company of Heroes 2 experience is, like, a hundred dollar investment and maybe that's you know maybe that's the future i mean then i i worry that that would spell even greater doom for rts's if that's the future if if the future is you can't just buy your game um, yeah i mean it, it didn't work well in uh shooters right like this was you know to compare to evolve right like evolve is a triple a shooter uh that was sort of you know targeted Sold for the piecemeal. competitive space it got off to a strong start, though, right? I, I feel like the, the rap on that game was that... I think within, like, one day, players started to drop off. But they also had already sliced it up in advance, right? I feel yeah, like there they were sliced it up different... with pre-order stuff, and yeah, it was... They were criticized heavily and ended up, like, apologizing about it as well. Um, and there were kind of concerns about, like, splitting the community up, which they, they never... I don't think they ended up doing that but then you you do have some kind of uh not just shooters but other online games that do split the community and say well you can only play on maps that you've bought but all these other people are going to be playing on the brand new maps it's what titanfall did before going back and just being like every piece every dlc map is now available for everyone well, and, for and free. that was a surrender from titanfall that was, that... that was them giving up because they'd lost yeah. there was no way because when you're using matchmaking and stuff like that there's just you would just be waiting forever, um, regardless of what packs you had. It was it was terrible. I, I mean, that just doesn't work. I mean, it's quite clever in Company of Heroes too, where you'll take your army that you own out in the mm-hmm. matchmaking, and you'll just be matched against someone on a map that you also have access to, right? But it's not like so you'll be excluded from things, but you won't get what would happen to you all the time in Titanfall, and still happens to you in Battlefield Four, by the way, where you'll go to auto matchmaking. And the damn thing will tell you, like, oh, sorry, we found you a match, but you just don't have the right DLC for it. Too bad. Would have been a lot of fun to have you there, but I guess you don't have it. Here's a link. Yeah. But, I mean, if people aren't playing RTSs online, does that matter? 
Mm, I think if people aren't playing RTSs online, I I feel like it. So I think this does. is kind of the, kind of the question. I mean, who is the RTS audience these days? I mean, if there are people who are going to be playing online, if they are, you know, some of the MOBA people, uh, then yeah, they're going to be playing it online, and they'll want a quick hit, 20, 30 minute skirmishes, and then they can go and have fun online. Um, maybe the, maybe they'll have to be co op. Maybe they have to move to co op different roles, that sort of thing. But if there, you know, there are people like us, I mean, who are talking about freaking Kohan, and no one's been a new, this has been a new Kohan <laughs> in forever, you know, we're not the people who are going online playing a lot of RTSs generally. And we'll play them when we're reviewing them or testing them or for the podcast. But, you know, this is a very different, I think, uh, model, um, especially if the old numbers that you cited at the beginning from Chris Taylor still hold up for the genre that, you know, people aren't that we, people design for online play in RTS, but really that's not what most people want from an RTS. Um, I don't think we quite know. I don't think anybody quite knows because of the long gap uh, in development and how long it takes these games to be developed and how few there have been until how few, how few successful ones there have been. Uh, in the last decade, I'm not sure people quite know what an RT, who they're building the RTS for. And this thing, I think, takes us back to the beginning. And if you know, if they're playing online, then yeah, the fact that I can share a map that you have on, that you have on Company Heroes Two, even if I don't have that expansion pack, that's pretty awesome because it lets me see it and let me know if I want to play it. That's a good thing. Uh, modular expansions, I think, are the way that these things should be. It's the paradox model that works just fine. Um, but if those, if that's not necessarily where the money's to be made, um, if that's not a, one of these killer features, um, then I wonder what your DLC model or your free-to-play model is going to be. So, Troy, you you, you mentioned something there a, a moment ago about like how you know we we tend to play these games for the podcast or or for review, uh, and I wanted to ask you a question because we've mm-hmm. been talking a lot about this in the abstract, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to make this personal. Uh, you know, like, yep. you know, Troy, you ignorant slut. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, when when I talked to you about this podcast, mm-hmm. and when I went around a lot of like three May regulars to sort to sort of talk about this stuff, yep. Um, there weren't a lot of people who had a lot to say because a lot of them don't play RTS games, and uh, certainly, a, you know, a couple times at least, I've sort of had to force RTS games on you because I needed a freaking like panelist yep. uh, for a show, and so it was like, you know, and Troy, that's you good. Need to... I mean, it, it, it's important that I stay on top of these things. Yes, but the 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 important point though is yep. that you would probably not choose to sit down and put some time into these games unless you had this obligation. And that is something I wanted to ask you. Like, I know for a fact you used to play RTS games. You've written some great essays about RTS games Mm -hmm. that you absolutely loved. Somewhere along the line, the genre lost you too. It didn't just lose the kids these days. No, no, it lost lost you. It did. And you know why? Because I moved to science fiction. Because there's so many science fiction RTSs, and all the only historical ones are World War II or Men of Assault, what is it, Man of War Assault, or Men of Assault War, uh, whatever, like, the, the name <laughs> of Men of War Assault Squad. Men it is War difficult to tell them. It's the last good one. That'll, yeah. that, that should help you out. Yeah, and those, and that's a very, very hard game. It is so hard. Um, 
But, you know, when I was playing a lot of them, there were a lot of historical RTSs or fantasy RTSs, stuff that I was kind of in my thematic wheelhouse. Uh, science fiction's never... I was never a huge StarCraft player. Science fiction, I've said this many times on the show, and I've written a couple of blogs about it. Science fiction strategy games are not something I'm really that enthusiastic about. Um, but, you know, when was the last, you know, significant... Um, historical RTS, something that I could really dig my teeth into and say, wow, I'm moving knights around or I'm moving wizards around. or And, and I think that's this, either it's chasing StarCraft or it's chasing, even the Command and Conquer games became too science fiction-y uh, for me. And th- I think that was one reason why I lost, why I lost interest. And I just never got it back. Um, and you know, there are other things that scratch my reflex itches. I'm, you know, I play, uh, a lot more casual puzzle games to get my reflexes going. I used to, I went through a driving game phase, which lasted, you know, all of six months, uh, to test my reflexes. Um, I tended to, I often, if I have time, cause I, I have a full-time job, I'll play games in the evening and I'll have a few hours and I'll play for the same game for a few hours. I don't really need those. 30-minute hits, 30-minute hits, 30-minute hits. Um, But another Age of Mythology, yeah, I'm into that because that's got, you know, magic and centaurs and these sorts of things. Um, I I think it was the thematic stuff that mostly lost me. Um, For me, theme is just as important as mechanics as far as appealing in a game. Um, Company of Heroes, loved it. It was great. Company of Heroes 2 was great, but I don't need to keep having new armies thrown at me. I'll read your reviews and I'll mess around with some stuff and I'll try things out. But yeah, unless you're, I'm being poked to play uh, an RTS these days, um, it's got to have something really special to bring me in. I mean, Grey Goo, I played because you recommended it and you are right. It was really good and not easy at all. Um, its campaign is quite difficult and challenging. And I wonder if that was part of the problem, why it didn't do so well. But, I mean, if you hadn't, you know, sung its praises in a review and did a great podcast on it, I would have completely ignored it just based on the theme. Fraser, what's what's your relationship uh like with with the RTS with the RTS uh the, these days outside of like professional obligations? It kind of it bounces around. Yeah, I kind same. of you know, I binge so I'll be like, "Oh, I'll go play some StarCraft and I'll play some StarCraft for a few days and I'm like, "Oh, I'll just feel great about it. I love StarCraft." But then I'll be like, you know, ready to move on and, and do so. I, I think the one thing about StarCraft is that a lot of people will just play it all the time. That's their, like, mainstay. But for me, really, the, the stuff I have the most fun with in StarCraft is actually the campaign. So as much as I can enjoy skirmishes and multiplayer and stuff, I really, I, I kind of want to wait for expansions, basically. So I'm ready for, for uh, Legacy of the Void uh, so I can enjoy the campaign again. Um, but a lot of it, it kind of, my, when I'm playing an RTS, it kind of just coincides with my professional obligations. It's something that I would have maybe checked out even if I wasn't writing an article or reviewing it. Um, but then they take up the same space. And then once I'm done with the review, often I will just bounce off it. Um, Work usually because I ha- have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have time. Once I've I've played a decent amount of multiplayer and kind of feel that I've got to grips with the game and finished the campaign if there is one, then it's usually time to move on to something else, um, even if I don't necessarily want it to be. 
God, it's it's killing me that we don't have Tom Chick on this podcast because uh, I would be very curious to hear his thoughts. He's probably listening to this. Uh, well, he's probably already snapped his his phone in half uh, listening to this. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. Uh, we, we did try to get Tom uh, on the show for this topic, but the scheduling just refused to work out. Uh, and I really want to talk about this. So to hell with Tom. Well, <laughs> you can register for an account in our forum and tell us how wrong we are. Yeah, uh, but. You, you know, for, for me, I definitely, like, have, you know, I was, I was just leafing through uh, sort of my, uh, like, uh, my my sort of review journal uh, from the last year, where it's not just for reviews. I basically log, like, you know, all, all my gaming time these days and, and take notes on games. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, I, I've probably spent more time, like, and, and had more thoughts about RTS games this year than any other like genre like I, I have reams of notes on like you know gray goo on active aggression on company of heroes 2 on planetary annihilation uh so i mean uh, like uh, all of which i all of which i have played so i don't want people to think listening to the show thinking i'm have not been playing these games <laughs> i well I, I i basically had to hold a gun on you uh to play planetary annihilation which i understand uh our last our last trip uh into planetary annihilation land uh before this this latest uh expansion was, was not necessarily a pleasant one um, but yeah, I, 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 I feel like I, I'm sort of in the same boat as you, Fraser, that I have, uh, binges as it were. Like when I was, when I was getting into, uh, Ardan's assault for company of heroes, uh, I think around like last winter, that was probably the most into an RTS I've been in ages. Like it was, you know, it was one of those, you know, old school moments where like, you know, you look up from a particularly intense battle and like it's dark outside and the room's gone <laughs> cold. Uh, and, like, apparently at some point you you made yourself food and it's sitting there and it's, it's now just like rotting away. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it, I think it takes a little more now to to get me into an RTS and, and to keep me there, uh, especially after like professional obligations have 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 lifted off. Uh, but it, it's still it's it's still a genre I enjoy very much. It's just I I get concerned when you know I go through the three MA Rolodex and I discover that even among like people who love to talk about strategy games who play a lot of them. Uh, increasingly this is just not a this is not a genre that resonates um random thought i had is that i wanted to get your impression of this if you're going to say like the golden age of rts games is like you know like well like the golden age of everything and it's the mid 90s late 90s uh early 2000s that's also sort of a high watermark for land gaming right and sort of a low point for DRM. Uh, and, I, you know, it's certainly, like, StarCraft became huge. And a lot of people have vivid memories of, like, playing multiplayer StarCraft because it let you spawn multiplayer. You could, you know, you just needed one disc uh, and you could play with everybody on the same LAN. And that's certainly why it became so huge in Korea. And, by the way, it's still apparently huge in Korea. It's still, like, one of the top games played in uh, PC bongs in, in Korea. Uh, far ahead of StarCraft 2. But I wonder if part of that is you just didn't need you didn't need to convince people to spend so much damn money to play their play your game with you, right? You could just like say, "Hey, I'm going to loan you my disc and let's play this thing together." Uh and that's just, you know, that's that's not how it goes anymore. Now everyone has to have a separate copy. So what used to be a, a situation where you could you could buy one game and pass it around and you could all play multiplayer together, 
Now it's turned into a thing where, you know, you and your you, you and your friends all have to put in like forty dollars. And that's that is a little bit different. I wonder. I mean, it's certainly something to that. I mean, you say it's it's golden age for a lot of people's gaming experience. That's when they discovered games. Um people your age in college. I was well into graduate school in the mid nineties, so I didn't have time for lands. Um but I wonder if that is part of it, if, you know, the fact that people could, that the RTS, I don't try to think of the current online multiplayer space and beyond the, you know, everyone having to spend, you know, $40 a game, you have to do that with pretty much every game that isn't free to play. I mean, if you're going to play Company of Heroes online, you're not going to be doing that because a friend gave you a disc. Um, and so that hasn't been a problem there. Um, why that will be a problem for the RTS, not other genres, I don't know. I'm just wondering. I think it's just that if I think because that's the thing. I think people do want to play multiplayer, not necessarily really really competitive. They might just want to play co-op or just you know they 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 don't want to necessarily go into blooming tournaments. But I think they'd be more interested in doing it if they could just set up a land just with one disc, everyone playing something just really casual, rather than having to go online and play with. Uh, strangers who, you know, you're not playing with your friends, you are just playing with people all around the world. I don't think that's necessarily an interesting prospect if you kind of look back and just have such fond memories of you and your friends just playing in a garage. But I mean, there aren't discs anymore anyway, so people would be, (laughs) so you would have one guy has it on their Steam account and then he can play with everybody else. I mean, you could do the, uh, the, the introversion approach, which is, you know, Every copy you buy is two copies, actually, which I suspect is one of those things that would would make like an executive like double over when you you pitch that to them. But I kind of wonder if, you know, certainly if you're if you're a small if if you're a smaller RTS, whether that might not be, you know, a, a way forward, at least so that you can, you know, you can say, well, yeah, you're you're buying this game, but you can immediately, you know, give a copy to a friend. Um <clears throat> And sort of build a community that way. But that may not solve the problem of <clears throat> whether or not people actually want to be playing these things uh, multiplayer. Uh, because, you know, I think one reason that, like, Wargame uh, Airland Battle ended up being a favorite is that it has such a damn good single-player campaign. Uh, it was so much fun playing playing that Wargame campaign. Uh, and while the multiplayer was, was terrific, and I had some great battles in it, uh, in general... I had a little more fun playing this, uh, you know, this invasion of Scandinavia scenario in in the single player campaign, rather than going online and having a super stressful, uh, you know, potential ass kicking. Uh, and you know, it's interesting. This is like RTS games. When you win, you feel like you feel like a genius. You're you're freaking Ender, right? Like it's it, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but my my feelings about actually playing games playing these games it tend to be kind of negative because it's just it's it's a really stressful like nerve-wracking uh experience i recently played um this game uh sc2vn starcraft 2 visual novel uh which is exactly what it sounds like it's a visual novel about starcraft esports and i wrote a thing about it for pc gamer uh but what really caught my attention about it is that it's obviously made with a lot of love 
for StarCraft. Uh, a lot of love for sort of the competitive gaming scene ar- around StarCraft and RTS games. But it's also a game basically about how miserable uh, StarCraft can make you <laughs> and how just completely like confidence crushing and spirit crushing it eventually becomes huh. uh, as you approach the, the limits of your skill. And I think that's something you can, I, like, I, you know, that's something that even at my scrub level, I identify with because I think this is an issue that a lot of these games have, which is that, you know, you go online and very quickly you, you always have that feeling, um, you know, and, and Tom has used it as a, you know, as, as sort of a, uh, a virtue of the genre, but it is a genre where if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're not actively doing something, you're losing. Uh, and that is that, that gun to the head feeling can make it a tougher sell. And I'm not sure a lot of RTS games have sort of uh, gracefully gotten around that. I think I do find myself more gravitating towards playing much smaller matches with people I know, because then the loss feels, I don't know, almost kind of more acceptable because I've still had a bit of a laugh, even if I'm a complete failure. I mean, it's it, it's a war story you share with your friends. It's not like, yeah. and I think that's what makes you know playing. Like I like playing multiplayer games with friends instead of online matchmaking because I can we can then talk about you know the time that Tom completely sandbagged me in a Command and Conquer game because he had this new strategy he wanted to try out. He he doesn't know what I'm if he's listening. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh. You know, so, something else I, I was just thinking in terms of the um, this being a genre where you always know if you suck or not. Um, <laughs> you, you know, an interesting counterpoint or uh, comparison would be the Forex space, which I think in terms of design inspiration is not any healthier than mm-hmm. the RTS. Uh, you know, there's a few yeah. really bright spots, but a lot of it is kind of uh, sieve-derived crap. Uh, or, or just completely forgettable, right? It's like competent, but like interchangeable with with a hundred other forex uh, uh, games, and yet people still really like these games, and they're making more of them. And there's there's a lot of like big name franchises in that space, and and I kind of think you know it, part of that is you know it is just a more inherently satisfying formula because forex games all give you that sense of of making progress, uh, and it's also a lot easier to play these games solo. Uh, and sort of you can deceive yourself that you're that, that you're good because uh, you know playing whatever the equivalent of chieftain difficulty uh, you're having a pretty <laughs> good time and uh, you know you're you, you know you're the emperor of of half the world uh, but you know in in four X games like the act of playing them has this sort of inherent satisfaction where I think you know. As you're learning in RTS, there's an inherent frustration because the controls let you always see that there's more you could do. You could always be better. Uh, and that also has the side effect of letting you know you're never actually that good. But a 4X game, you know, you're still making progress. You're still teching up to that next, you know, super weapon. You're still waiting on that new production building. And everything's going to be different once you get that. Uh, and that, you know, that keeps you going. It's, it's, a, it's a very effective hook. And I, and I think RTS games sort of strip the bait right off the hook. 
Well, four X games. games aren't as demanding because you you don't have to worry about your actions per minute, or you can just go and take a whiz or make yourself a sandwich between turns. Um, it, they're not demanding games. You don't need that sort of dexterity that you might need when playing an RTS. Uh, it, I don't think it's just about kind of empowering you and making you feel like you've got progress, but they're just a little bit more sedate as well. And the fact that they're longer term games that you a longer time to play means you can stop in the middle of playing and you can go back to a save or you can start all over and you don't feel like you've lost anything and when an rts starts going wrong it goes wrong immediately generally or you find like 10 minutes in you completely screwed up and that's still half the game you you don't know if you're making a whole lot of progress um i think the long term of most 4x games lends them to I mean, people say they're hard to learn. I think they're hard to... If, you're, if you have no patience, then 4X games can be uh, a trial because they do take quite a bit of time. But I think they're much more forgiving of learning because the curve is there um, because it's a longer it's a longer slope. In, you know, start wrapping this up. Uh, first, I have a question for you both. Uh, do you feel... Uh, do you feel the genre's in real trouble or do you think I'm just in a particularly morose space right now? I don't think it's in any worse trouble than it was last year or there before five or even t- 10 years ago. Um, I think that we have a genre that like a lot of genres we talked about, you know, tower defense a couple of weeks ago, you know, where they're just trying to find they're, they're, they're iterating on established modes and established tropes of the genre. And it's hard to break out. It's hard to get attention because there are so many games now Um and there are a couple, only a couple of really big franchises left in this genre. Um, I, but I think I'm kind of optimistic because we are seeing more of them. We are seeing people who maybe grew up with them who are trying to do something in the genre. As well as, you know, we have, you know, Bruce Shelley coming back and doing some neat build-your-own-mech thing you know, in Servo. And I'm looking forward to see how that turns out. So I'm kind of hopeful, um, but we're not going to be seeing any Cohans. Um, I'm, I kind of feel like I've been a bit gloomy about the sort of RTSs that have come out lately, but I don't think that it's, you know, the all is lost. I'm, I'm pretty interested in some of the new ones that are, are on the horizon. Um, I think generally it seems like right now there's just way more variety of games in general, and I don't see why RTSs shouldn't be as varied. So I'm, I'd like to think I'm being optimistic. All right, and the next part is, uh, what ideas do you want to see? Like, if RTSs are going to be copying or borrowing their inspiration, where do you want that? Where do you want that inspiration to be coming from? Like, if 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 there's, you know, what what uh, what taste is not being satisfied uh, right now for for you and RTSs? I think I've, I've really strong cinematic engaging campaign i really i love my campaigns and i just think that outside of starcraft and i think world uh, um i think gray goo had a pretty good campaign as well and was quite cinematic too so I think those are really the only two that stand out uh lately and i just i'd love to have something that that gets me more interested in the narrative and i'm not just you know pointing and clicking and shooting some guys yeah, I just want to see fewer aliens. <laughs> more elves. Fewer aliens, more elves, more archers. Yeah. Elven archers is be perfect. 
for me, I think I want to see more uh, macro scale RTSs, uh, things more operating at a level like, uh, you know, a Rise of Nations or, or a Kohan, where you're, you're sort of thinking in terms of armies and like cities and not like, where am I plunking this barracks down? And like, am I building a tank? Or a rifleman right now. Like I, I like those. I like those games where you're able to sort of, you know, work with larger, a, a larger scale, uh, a larger fra- frame of reference. Uh, you know, and I guess related to that a little bit. You know, it's been quite a while since anything has has come out in the uh, you know Sins of a Solar Empire. Uh, you know, space where. You know, you're 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 playing an RTS that that operates on a scale of like like a four X, uh, and and so, you know, I guess I, I look at I, I look at those games I mentioned, and uh, you know, then I look at what's around today, and it's well, it, it, it's a lot of games revisiting uh, some some very familiar some very familiar themes uh, and covering some ground that I think has already been pretty well covered. Uh, so so I guess I'd like to see. You know those some of those evolutionary dead ends, uh, you know, resurrected and, and maybe get some maybe get some new uh, shoots of growth uh, coming off of them. Uh, but that will do it uh, for tonight's show. Uh, this uh, week's episode of Three Moves Ahead, as always, was produced by Michael Hermes and hosted by the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can learn more about the show or discuss this episode with our community by visiting our website at threemovesahead.net. Uh, we'd also appreciate it if listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, and you can follow Three Moves Ahead on Twitter, where we are at 3MA. Uh, you should also cruise over to idlethumbs.net, home of the Idle Thumbs Network, to check out the rest of the great shows we do there. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. Good night, all. Cheerio.